Amen. Amen. All right. What we want to do is uh, jump right into our teaching uh, today. Um, we are s- still in this series called How to Survive in an Upside-Down World. And we're really focused on this idea. It's just not about surviving, but it's about thriving. And so this week, um, as I was thinking about just how hard it is to try and flip our world right side up, it kind of feels like this, doesn't it? It feels a little blurry, but we know it needs to be flipped. And if we can just get it flipped up, then it will be much more clear. And as I was thinking through and praying through uh, this text this week, this idea popped into my head. This analogy, if you will, um, because I can't wait until summer gets here, right? And I'm sure that you can't either. So, you know what I love to do in the summer? I love to water tube. It's something I've loved to do since I was a kid. When I was a kid, we'd go out on my uncle's boat, we'd go water tube it. When uh, my kids were young, every time we'd go to Nashville, my dad would rent a boat, and we'd go out on the lake, and we would go water tube. And this is so much fun. Sometimes you're on the tube just to kick back and relax and smile and have a good time. But sometimes my dad, he would be pulling it, and you're hanging on for dear life because he's trying to flip you and when you when he swings that bow that you the force of that tube goes even more and you're like ah you know you're holding on for dear life right isn't that like life sometimes in life we're just cruising along and it's all right sometimes we're hanging on for dear life and then sometimes even in life we hit that weight because my dad would do that he'd hit that weight and boom up goes the tube up it flips and boof there we are and do you know what's hard What is hard is that when that boat is dragging that tube and that tube fills up with water, you're in the water and you're trying to flip that tube right side up. That takes so much strength, so much time, so much energy to do that. And you know what? Our life is like that. But you know how we can actually flip our world right side up? It's through praying. It's through praying. And, 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 and this morning, what I want us to see, the big idea is praying will bring you right side up when you're living in an upside down world. Will you take your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 9? Now today, we are going to do a lot of reading of the text. Today, um, we're going to read through. Do you know Daniel chapter 9 is really 95% prayer? Um, all the way through verse 24, up to verse 24, it's really a prayer. And there's only 27 verses. And, and isn't this odd that, you know, last week, you know, uh, Steve, what an amazing job Steve did. Oh my gosh, if you missed last week, you need to go back and watch last week. He talks about the beast and these horns and all this crazy stuff, this vision that Daniel had. And, and now Daniel all of a sudden inserts, pray, <laughs> prayer. Right? Why? Because praying will keep us right side up when we have these crazy visions or, you know, like Daniel had. But he focuses in on this idea of prayer. And again, this is not uh, chronological in order, right? Uh, um, So, in the very first verse, we see that. It says, it was the first year of the reign of Darius. So, again, this is going back. Uh, compared to where we have been. So he's going back into his time and he's bringing up a prayer that he was praying maybe before he even entered into the lines. And remember when we talked about that? So it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Asherah, who became the king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. 
years. Now, I highlighted this idea because I think this is so important for any Christ follower that God's word has to be a part of your prayer time. Has to be. It was in Daniel's. And he didn't even have the Bible. But do you know what he had? He had a scroll. And he unrolled the scroll. And as he's unrolling the scroll, the part that he had of Jeremiah, he's digging into God's Word. And you know what? It propelled him into prayer. Do you use God's Word as a way to pray? You can. It's so, it's so helpful and it will bring so much to your prayer time. So here's what you do. You can pray a scripture. The Psalms are amazing for this. You can open up the scriptures and you just pray through the scriptures. You take, you take away their personal pronouns and put your personal pronoun in there. And then you just make it, you personalize the verse and you, and you just pray it back to God. That's one way. Another way is if you're just, if you are reading through in a verse, or a word just like comes alive to you, you stop. You meditate upon that word or that verse and then you bring it to God. You say, God, I keep on hearing, I keep on seeing this idea about confession. God, what is it in my life that I need to confess? I need to confess that you're my God and that you're awesome and you're amazing. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about this week. But you you use the scripture in this way. Um, You and I need to use God's word in our prayer time. So many of us get bored in our prayer life. You know why? It's because you're not praying the scriptures. It's because you're not praying using God's word. Prayer is not just about bringing your list and saying, oh, will you help so-and-so's knee and this person's foot? You know, prayer is so, it's much bigger than that. And I hope, I hope that you will get your heart afire for prayer like Daniel did. Watch and let's look at this. So, I turned, uh, Daniel, because he got into God's word, right? He got into the prophet Jeremiah. He's praying. He hits uh, Jeremiah, probably Jeremiah 29, 10 uh, through, uh, through 12. And he says, and so I turned to God. After he hit that, he's like, man, I got to turn to God. Do you see what's in here? He says, I pleaded with him, meaning God, in prayer and fasting. And I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ash. You know what he's doing? He's prayer and fasting. If you aren't a part of our Lent prayer and fasting... Let me encourage you. It's not too late. Don't think because you've missed the past 12 days. Today is day 12. Just because you've missed the past 12 days does not mean you can't jump in. If you're online, you can still jump in. Um, if you are in South County, jump in. And if you're right here, jump in. You, I, I love this. this. The past two, 12 days have been focused on just God's love. Sometimes Christ followers need to just sit down and just rest in the love of, that God has for us. That His mercies really are new for us. We need to just sit there and realize the depth that God loves us. And you know, Paul tells us in Ephesians 3 that you will never get to the bottom of the depth of God's love and you've got to do this. So, I encourage you. It's not too late. If you don't do abs and digital, there's hard copies right back there for you next to the um, offering boxes. But notice this too. This idea of rough burlap sprinkled with ash. He was in a time of mourning or confession. And for the Jewish culture, this is how they confessed. This is how they, did, they went through mourning. And we know um, it was about confession because he says, I, and I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. This is huge. Now, let's make sure that we're on the same page. Because when you define confession, uh, confession can be defined in three ways. To tell or to make known. And in Daniel's prayer today, we're going to learn how he made it known. He was telling God and he was making known who God was. 
Also, confess means to acknowledge sin to God. In this prayer, we're going to see he spends a lot of time on confession of sin. And then the third way that uh, confess can be defined is to declare faith in or adherence to. And we see this in his prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Now, let me say this. For every person, do you realize that your relationship with God actually starts with confession of who God is? We have to confess who God is. The Apostle Paul put it this way. If you openly declare or if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. This is the starting point. He says it's for it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved or openly confessing um, that in your faith that you are saved. This is the starting point of a relationship with God. Have you started your relationship with God? If you haven't, man, I encourage you, take that step. Get connected to God. Now, confession. Confess, we got to confess our sin to Jesus. The Apostle John said this, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness or all of our unrighteousness. And notice, it's about confessing our sin to Jesus or, or God. <laughs> It's not about having to confess our sin to get some kind of um, forgiveness from a person. We, we get to go straight to God because Jesus said, I'm the mediator between God and man. We don't need anybody else. We just got to go to God. But other people are important because we also see this confession confess to each other. James said it this way. This is the brother of Jesus. James says, confess your sins to each other. Some of your translations may confess your faults, but confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What? There is something about confessing to somebody else what God is doing, what God is bringing to the forefront of your life. And it's to the right person. You just don't go out sharing this with everybody. But man, you find the right person who you invite into your life. And you just tell him, man, I, I keep on failing in this area. I need your help. Some of you who find yourself in a rut, in a, an addiction, what you need to do is to find somebody else and you need to confess it to God. But then you go to them and you say, hey, I need your help. I, 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 here's my problem. Here's, I'm confessing to you what's going on in my life and I can't seem to break away from it. And look what happens that you may be healed. Other people are a part of us in that healing process. And not just that, it just doesn't stop there. Look what happens. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, and part of an earnest prayer of a righteous person is somebody who confesses to somebody else that they have great power. It produces wonderful results. You want to see your prayer to, you know, take a step up? Well, then you, we, need, we need to add confession into our life. Here's what Dallas Willard said about confession to other people. Confession is to let trusted others know our deepest weakness and failures. To nourish our faith in God's loving provision for our needs. Isn't that great? That's exactly right. And it's about involving the right people. Back into the text. Back into the prayer. So he's confessing. What's he confess? Oh Lord, you are great and awesome God. You're, a, you're like this crazy awesome God. 
that's just a confession. That's declaring who God is. That's confessing. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Now, this, now don't forget context. Right? He's been ripped away. He's been living as a captive in another city for several decades. And yet he is reminding God that you are, you are a loving God. That you never fail in your promises. You keep your promises. You're great. You're mighty. You're awesome. Hold it. What? Our city got destroyed. Our temple, we can't worship in the temple. Remember, that, that's how we started off this, this book in Daniel. Right? Everything is demolished. But yet he's telling God how awesome he is. Why? Because there's something about our prayer and holding God to his promises that God works in a process. And Daniel understands this. So he goes on and he moves from that to confessing sin. He says, I have sinned. Nope. He says, we have sinned. There is a plural. You know, he it's like a global confession. Our confession doesn't isn't just personal. It is global. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. He is coming to God with his heart broken because of where his people are, the Jewish people at this time. Why? Because they had sinned against God. They're the ones who broke covenant. That's why they've ended up in captivity. He says, we have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who have spoken by, uh, on your authority to our kings and princesses and ancestors and to all the people of the land. It was we're the ones who refused to listen to how we were supposed to live our life. God, will you forgive us? Have you ever prayed like that? Not just confessing your sin, but the sin of your city, the sin of your town, the sin of our state. He says, Lord, you are in the right. What? But they're experiencing a, a bad situation. Bad circumstances. Their people are being persecuted. What? Lord, you're in the right? But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. You see how he owns it? Now... Daniel, we've been reading about him. Hold it, what? He was disloyal? No. He was confessing the sin of his people because they had been disloyal. He was doing his best. He was doing his best to follow God in an upside-down world. When he was dragged out as a teenager and taken into captivity thousands of miles away, and here he is, as he is saying, this has happened because we have been disloyal to you. You and I need to add confession. Of not just our own confession, but we need to add confession for our cities, our states, our country. He goes on. Oh Lord, our God, you brought, um, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt. You see what he's doing? Now, now he's like confessing who God is. He's reaching back into time. And how God showed up in the history of his people all the way back uh, to when they were, were brought out of Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt. Moses leading them. They hit and they hit the Red Sea. Right. And then what's God do? He parts it. Does this the supernatural because that's what God can do. He says um, by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of your power. But then he comes back. But we have sinned. 
And we are the ones that are full of your wickedness. But he says, in view of all of your faithful mercies, he's going back to who? The character of God. He's going back to who God is. God is a God of mercy. And he is deploring God. God, don't forget the time frame here. You know, before the consequences of their choices, it was hundreds of years. Why? Because God's not willing that any should perish. That's the heart of God. He doesn't want anybody. And so he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent and get back right. And he and Daniel in his prayer is saying, because of you are this faithful God, you, because of your faithful mercies, please turn your furious anger away from the city, your city, Jerusalem. Think about that. Remember when we were looking at Daniel 6 and how Daniel would go up to the same place and pray um, and he would open his window toward the city. And here he is confessing the sin of his city, of his people, that's thousands of miles, like 1,700 miles away. He's confessing that sin. And here he says, your holy mountain, all, all of the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem. He's like, God, really, this is about your name. They're, they're mocking you because of us, because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. And then he's like, oh, God, hear your servant's prayer. You just feel this intensity in this prayer. And he is just being so intense. He's like, God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake. And Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your ears or your eyes and see our despair. See how your city comes back to the city again. See how your city, the city that, be, uh, that bears your name, it lies in ruins. This past week, um, I got to uh, meet with a gathering of pastors and, um, and other leaders throughout our state of Rhode Island. And we prayed. We were, it was a time of worship and prayer. And we were praying for our city and for our state. And they are, and what they're doing now, what they're, they're inviting us to be a part of God's church. They're inviting every gospel-centered church to come to the city of Providence. Their church, um, where it's going to be hosted, is in a church that's next to the state house. It's March the 15th at 7 o'clock. It's a Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, 7 to 9. It's going to be a night where we are going to gather. We're going to call every Christ follower, although they, they do have limited seating, so you need to register for this. If you didn't see it in our Connect this past Thursday, um, there's a link in there, the way that you can register for that, um, because they, they only have 400 seats. That's it. So if you want to be a part of that, let me encourage you. Do you want to be a part of God, a, a part of, of God's church calling for, a, a, for the Holy Spirit to move across our state? for a working that we would repent of our sin. Do you realize, do you, do you remember this story? Remember when we went through the whole name change? And, and in that story of the name change, as we think about our history of our state, as we pray for our state, and every time you see the, the Rhode Island state flag waving, and it has that word hope on it, and it has the anchor on it, if you go to the state website, you'll see this. 
How did that end up on there? Because in the very beginning of our state, there, this was a Christ-following state. There was a spiritual climate in Rhode Island that was pursuing God. And in that, um, from Hebrews chapter 6, they were like, you know what? Because Jesus is our anchor and because He is our hope, let's put it on the flag. And that's why it's on our flag and how far our state has come to where we have lost. We have lost, just like Daniel's people have lost it with God. Now we have lost that connection with God and we want to pray. We want to ask you to come and pray that there would be a move of God across this state and to call us back to Jesus and that He would be our hope once again. And we, our vision, what, is to radically change the spiritual climate of Rhode Island. One person, one community at a time. And that's, this is how it's going to get done, on our knees. That song that we sing, The Battle Belongs to You, right? It's on our knees that, 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 that we enter into prayer and ask God to come and move like this. So I invite you to come and be a part of that. But it's not because we deserve it. Look, look what Daniel says. Not because we deserve help, God. We don't deserve this, but God, because you're a God of mercy, won't you pour out your spirit upon us? Uh, because of your mercy, he says. We need you to start praying like that for our state so that we can see a move of God throughout our state. And let's watch the spiritual climate. It's possible. This is, really is possible. I know some people think, really, you really think the spiritual climate of Ryan can change? Yes! If we have enough Christ followers who are praying, if we have enough people who are begging for this to happen, it can happen. He says, oh Lord, now he turns into these popcorn prayers, just these little statements. Look at this. Uh, oh Lord, hear, forgive, listen God, won't you act God, for your own sake, do not delay. Oh my God, for your people and for your city that bear your name. And then he says this, I went on praying. And I went on uh, confessing my sin. I went on confessing the sin of my people and pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem and His holy mountain. Now, as he's doing this, he makes this note in verse 21. He says, as I was praying, Gabriel, remember last week Steve talked about the angels showing up in, this, in one of his visions. He says, as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me. Now, I put that in parentheses because that's the way the NLT decided to translate it. The Hebrew word for this can also mean this. It can, uh, the root of, this, of, the, of the way that, that one Hebrew word is translated can also mean reach me or it means extreme weariness. And so uh, the, the Christian Standard Bible decided to go that direction when they were translating this Hebrew word to reach me in my extreme weariness. And I am showing you that for this reason, because if you have ever prayed, you know it's hard work. Prayer does not come easy. It's a discipline that you have to build into your life and it can become exhausting. It can become draining. And, it, and it's hard to stay faithful. You know, I, ever since my sabbatical, I've been doing a lot of reading about prayer. I did it all through my sabbatical. I continue to do that. I'm reading. A, I just finished one book. I started this other book about prayer. And the one I already shared this one with you about the praying like monks and living like fools in that one. He uses this analogy about prayer. He, he, he talks about prayer as fidelity. 
And then he uses the analogy of the notebook. Remember the movie, The Notebook, right? And, and, and you know, in that movie, they show you the beginning where the, the couple's holding hands and everything is, you know, is a lovey-dovey, right? And then they fast forward to the end where they're curled up in the, in the bed and, and where they die uh, um, there in the bed. And they, and they do that. Because they're showing you the, the, you know, the happy parts, the, the, you know, the climatic parts. They don't show you the fidelity that happened to get them there. And prayer is like that. Sometimes it feels like, what's happening? What's going on? Why am I doing this? But we just need to be faithful. We just need to be faithful because, watch this, because God is at work. Notice what he says here. So he reached me in my extreme weariness about prayer, but about the, uh, about the time of the evening offering. You know when that is? Hold it. Daniel, think about context. Daniel is still living his life out of a rhythm of the way he lived it in Jerusalem. There is no temple. There's no evening sacrifice. There, there's nothing like that happening. But he is still living his life out of a rhythm of prayer. He's being faithful. We've watched this in his life from the beginning as a teenager. And then he got himself in trouble. Why? Because everyone knew that he would pray three times a day. Morning and at noon and in the evening. He is continuing to live like that. Remember... I told you the overarching was praying will bring you right side up, right? Praying will bring you right side up in an upside down world. That's why Daniel is our model for this. When we're living in an upside down world, he is just staying faithful to it. And it's prayer. It's prayer that makes it happen. In, back into uh, his explanation of what's happening. So Gabriel explained to Daniel. He says, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment, this is huge, the moment you began praying, a command was given. Now, we don't know how long he had been praying. But we know he was tired. We know that he was trying to stay faithful to We know that it was a lot of hard work. But we, he had been praying for years. He says, the moment you began praying, a command was given. God hears your prayers. I'm telling you, I know it doesn't feel like he's hearing our prayer, but God is hearing your prayer and he's working on his timetable. We don't understand this. Just this, just this week, Zoe and I um, sat across the table from somebody else. Zoe's my wife, uh, if you don't know. So, so Zoe and I are together. We're sitting with somebody else and they're sharing their... I said, hey, just share your story with us. As they're sharing their story, they're talking about the way that they came to Jesus. And do you know the way they came to Jesus? It was a supernatural way. It was through a simple prayer. God, uh, through a, a crisis in their life, but God, if you're real, no background, no church background, God, if you're real, show yourself, reveal yourself. And do you know over a period of time, God revealed to this person who he was. And all of a sudden, this person now is on their way coming to Jesus. They, because they live in the area and they drive by the church, they're like, that must be the church i got to go to. And they've been coming to our church for the past year and plus. And, 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 they, and this person says how they have given their life to Jesus and how they're growing in their faith. They went through a rooted study to get themselves kind of solidified um, in their discipleship and they are continuing to grow and they're serving. See, that happened because, because of a simple prayer and at that command, something started happening as they prayed out. God, show yourself. In one of the books that I'm reading, I talked about in this city, 
in Scotland, um, they had in this little town, they had sent their um, soldiers from that city over to fight this war in Europe. And the man, this old elderly man in this city said he felt called at midnight to get up and pray for the soldiers from their town. And sometimes throughout the night, sometimes it would lead him into the early hours of the morning and he would be praying. Sometimes it said that he would pray throughout the whole night. And as he's praying for these soldiers in that war, it is said among those soldiers that they would see this ghostly figure kind of oddly bringing some type of comfort to them when they're in the trenches. The soldiers chalked it up to, you know, just the atrocities of war and the fatigue of war. Those soldiers got out of that war, comes back to the city, comes back to that town. That town went to honor these soldiers and this church was hosting this, uh, this honoring of their local soldiers. Those soldiers come in and they're about ready to start when they see an elderly man come up the aisle. And there was a gasp out of every one of those soldiers. <gasps> and they all pointed and they're like, that's who we saw in the trenches. You don't know what is happening. How your prayers, that man never had a clue of what his prayers were doing. And you don't know how your prayer can actually change somebody else's life. But there is power in prayer. Do you remember the Super Bowl of, of 2008 when a gentleman, um, I forget his first name, uh, Kurt. His first name is Kurt. His last name is Havlock. And he was angry, and so he is going to shed blood. He shows up outside the Super Bowl arena in Arizona to do that very thing, to create a massacre. He pulls up into the parking lot. Before he gets out, he's sitting in his car. And wouldn't you know that there was a Christ follower in that city that had just felt like that they needed to pray against some kind of attack or some kind of bloodshed that might happen. And so she gathered a bunch of their friends and they were praying. And do you realize that they were praying in the very spot in the parking lot right next to where this guy had parked? This guy is sitting in his car and all of all of a sudden, he has a meltdown. All of a sudden, he picks up his phone, he calls his fiance, and he picks up his phone, and he calls his dad, and he has a change of heart. How did that happen? Because there were some people who were praying. Church, Jesus wants us to pray. There is power in prayer. And we need to get back to praying. He says, and now I am here to tell you. Because don't forget, he's weary. He's not seeing any movement. The Gabriel comes with a message for Daniel and he says, you are very precious to God. Will you hear that this morning? Some of you have been on your knees. Your knees are worn out. You don't have any more tears to cry. You've been weeping with God. God, please bring change. Please save. Please restore. Please heal. There's nothing more that you can do. Will you just remember this? That God sees you. He sees you in your prayer. He sees you uh, when you are crying out. And He says, you're precious. You are precious to me. But trust me, I'm working a process. I know it doesn't make sense to you. But trust me. 
because you are precious as his son, as his daughter. Now, the text will go on, and I'm way out of time. So, here's the summary of verses 24 through 27. It gets into sets of seven and 62 weeks and one week, and then in the middle of that week... Let me just say this. Can I summarize it like this? God works through a process. And we don't have to figure out, because there's 20 questions that even comes from verse 24 that you have to ask. And there's 20 more that you ask through the next couple of verses of trying to figure out what's the meaning and time. And people spend so much time, and, and that's great. I'm not, uh, you know, Saying don't do that. That's fine if that's how um, you know, you're led to do that. But the bottom line is, none of us here on this side know for sure what all this means. That I can say. People have you know, made some pretty good guesstimations, and they're all differing. <laughs> but let's summarize it with this. It all represents time. It all represents a process. And we need to keep praying. We don't have a microwave God. We're so used to that. We want God to fix it instantly. We want to put it in. Think about this. When, when Zoe cooks a roast in the crock pot and it's cooking for eight hours, it's like, oh my gosh, the aroma, right? Throughout the whole house, you walk in, you leave for work, you come back, and the whole house smells like this roast that's been all in, in its juices and whatever she marinates it in. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry right now. But it's amazing. Who wants a roast stuck in the microwave, put it on three minutes and cook that? And our prayer life is the same way. It's a process. It's much better when we trust God for his timing. That's why on your connection card, the very first next step, right? Where you pull out the connection card, the connection card's in the seat in front of you. If you're online, there's a link for one. If you're in South County, either Pete, um, Scott, or James, they gave you a connection card. But get, grab the connection card. Please, everybody grab the connection connection card out of the seat in front of you. Why? Because our team believes in prayer and we pray and we want to pray for you. It says, I need to adjust my perspective on prayer because God is not a microwavable God. He works what's best for me in his timing. Pray that I will trust him in his timing. And this is so hard. I, I know it is because I don't like patience either. And so let us pray with you. Give us as much detail or as least amount of detail that you want to. It doesn't matter. But if you fill one of these out and you check off the step one, this is how we're going to be praying for you. The other next step says this. I need to confess. I need to add confession to my regular prayer time. Do you do that? Do you have confession in your regular prayer time? I didn't have time to go here. But you know Jesus even has this in his model prayer where he tells us that we need to have daily confession Confession in our prayer time. Pray that, I, that, pray that God will open my eyes to the sins that I need to confess. Pray that God will open the eyes to the sins of our city, of our towns, of our state. 
And let's confess like Daniel was confessing. The last one says, when I start complaining, this is huge because some of you are born complainers. I know because you tell me. <laughs> um, so um, some of you are, are, are just complaining. When I start complaining about something in our world, I will stop complaining and start praying. What if you use that trigger the next time that you're going to be critical or negative and point your finger at something? What if you use that to change a habit and be like... I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to criticize. I'm just going to pray. Wow. A lot of you would be doing a lot more praying. <laughs> praying. It's praying. Praying's what's going to bring you right side up. Praying's what's going to keep you right side up. No matter how upside down our world becomes. And so God, please help us to be on our knees. Help us to have prayer walks. Help us to drive and pray. Help us to shop and pray. And not just for a sale. Help us to shop and pray. Seeking you. God, help us to go to work and pray. And work and pray. God, may we be a people that is praying without ceasing. And God, may we see the supernatural power that happens, that is activated because we pray. Please come and move in your church across this whole state of Rhode Island. Thank you for what you're going to do, God. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.